Wordslingers. Welcome to another week of the Wordslinger podcast. I'm glad you could drop by. Now, I'm going to be talking to Mark O'Neill. You're going to want to hear this conversation, particularly if you think women deserve a much bigger role in fiction, especially in thrillers. So stick around. This episode of the Wordslinger podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at DraftToDigital.com. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. I am Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger, uh, and I am pants-free, pants-optional, whatever. <laughs> you get it. Uh, so thanks for uh, thanks for coming by for another week of the Word Slinger podcast. I'm so glad that uh, we have this platform because sometimes I come across things that I'm just cr- cr- I, I get furious about something, and I just have to share it with somebody. And you guys. You're you're my default. You're who I share these things with. I've got some news items. Uh, one news item in particular uh, that you're going to want to stick around for all the way through the interview. Trust me, you're going to want to stick around for this. And uh, there, I've got basically two related news items. Um, but one in particular has my blood boiling. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Um, in other news, other word slinger related news. Um, yeah, let's let's do an RV update. We haven't done one of those in a week. <laughs> so I had, I got the RV back from a renter, and uh, there was some damage. There were some things that needed to be repaired, but things were were not as bad as I was uh, initially led to believe. So I spent the weekend. Uh, I was power washing. I got I bought a power washer at the flea market. Uh, you know me. I love I love the flea market. <laughs> I bought a power washer. Works great. Um, hosed down the uh, the RV, cleaned everything up, got everything ready. Was going to fix the um, the broken step, but found out there's two things. There are two recalls. I think I may have mentioned this already, but there are two recalls. There's a recall for the uh, windshield wipers, which have been a chronic problem with the RV since I since I bought it. They're just they're garbage. But I finally got a uh, I finally got Thor to get back to me. And uh, they let me know that there's a recall on that. And there's also a recall on the step, which had broken from the last rental. So uh, now, I've, now I've got a recall on both the major issues. Um, but I had, a, I had a renter picking it up who's going to have it for a month. And that's a, quite a bit of change. I mean, that's quite a bit of cash coming my way for this thing. So, I mean, let's just put it this way. I can pay for all the overhead for this RV for the rest of 2018 with this one rental. So, um, very important. <laughs> so, uh, very important that we get this. Uh, thankfully, he was understanding about the windshield wipers and about the step. Uh, I did provide an alternative to the step. I have this little uh, folding uh, aluminum step that he can use. Um, not uncommon, actually, in the RV world for, for this kind of thing. So, People kind of expect it. Uh, the windshield wipers, more of a problem, but uh, I've been told it's 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 drivable. I mean, it, I'm, I've been told there's no problem as long as he pulls over during the rain. Uh, I let him know this. I gave him some options, and I gave him a break on some things. Um, you know, accommodated him on some things that uh, I'm not going to charge him for some stuff that I normally would have charged for. <clears throat> so that's good. <laughs> so the RV thing is kind of working out. Now I'm uh, really going to look into buying more RVs, I think. It's it's becoming kind of a little side business. However, I do have a problem to solve. Maybe you can help. Um, i got to figure out a way to be able to hand off the RV, manage things, even manage maintenance uh, without my presence. Uh, because I'm about to start traveling uh, for the conferences that are coming up uh, and in other things. My wife has been traveling for her work and it's just, uh, it's getting too difficult to be able to, to make sure I'm here to do walkthroughs, to do handoffs, 
to check and clean the thing after it's done. I mean, I'm, I'm doing all the jobs because doing all the jobs is how you, you learn. Being hands-on is how you learn. Um, so I'm happy to have done this, but now I've got to figure out a new strategy or this little side business I've started isn't going to work out. So <laughs> I've got to figure that out. So uh, I'm open to suggestions. i got a few ideas, but... If you've got something uh, in mind, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of hiring someone uh, to do this. I'd like to contract someone to do it rather than uh, employ them to do it. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, at any rate, that's the RV update. Uh, other stuff going on. <clears throat> my, new, uh, my newest book is still being written. Um, I've, oh, man, I fell off the wagon. <laughs> slacked off. Uh, mostly because I, I just had so many things happen all at once. It's taken me a while to get back on track. I lost momentum in this book. Um, I still believe in the story. I'm still excited about the story. I just, I lost a little bit of momentum. I'm, I'm getting back to it. Uh, but one thing I've, I've done lately is, uh, I decided, you know, I need to refine some of my processes. Um, one thing I did was I started using Grammarly more. Uh, I had kind of used it. I, I, the reason I, I didn't default to Grammarly um, was mostly because I had to do it a second at a time. I couldn't do an entire Word document, uh, book-length Word document in this thing. I had to do it in, uh, in sections. But, but what I thought was a weakness, I now think may be a strength. Uh, because I do this in, uh, in chunks, I do chapters, right? Um, or actually I do scenes, uh, because I may have multiple scenes within a chapter, uh, split out. I write in Scrivener. So what I do is export, here's the secret sauce. Okay. I export, um, each chapter with its scenes as word documents, individual word documents for each scene. And then I carry those into Grammarly and I got the pro version of, of Grammarly, uh, the paid version. Um, I import those as word documents into Grammarly. You can cut and paste, but if you import the Word document, it will hold on to your uh, formatting. So if you have italics and things like that, it'll hold on to all that stuff. It'll export that. Um, I I use their automated service to help me spot things. And then once I've uh, corrected everything that I'm going to correct, because sometimes it makes suggestions that make no sense. Uh, sometimes it makes suggestions that are just flat out wrong. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I found myself in arguments with, uh, with Grammarly. Like I, I'm like, no, no, I'm not using that word. That word is completely wrong. So, um, rather than argue with the limited artificial intelligence of this software, uh, I've decided, you know, I'm just going to, I'll say delete that or whatever. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'll accept that. I'll fix that. And then, uh, once it's done, I go back and read that section for my own edits and I'll do some correcting in Grammarly. So I'll do the editing and a bit of rewrite in Grammarly. And that has the advantage actually of correcting as I go. Uh, if I make a mistake, it, it spots it right away. Um, in that sense, Grammarly might actually be a pretty good writing platform, but, uh, we'll experiment with that later. I, I, I just, I like Scrivener because it's, it's an always on available, uh, writing software for me. And I've invested in it. And I'm, I have brand loyalty. <laughs> a very brand loyal person. So um, once I've got the, um, the whole thing edited and rewritten, as it were, I spit that out. Uh, I name my files. Um, I have a little code I use basically for each book. So, And uh, I can go into that some other time. But I, I code the, these things so that I can do it by chapter and scene. And then I know what's been edited and what hasn't. <clears throat> and then I'll spit that out um, as a Word document. And then I'll go into that document, accept all changes, delete all comments, and then import it into Scrivener. There may be a way to do that in Scrivener, um, but I, I can't be bothered to figure it out right now. If you know, you can let me know. Uh, hit me in the, the uh, comments or something, or go over to the uh, show notes at wordslingerpodcast.com and leave me a comment. You can do this on YouTube as well. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, it doesn't matter because it's an, it is another step for me, but it's not, it's not horrendous. It takes a few seconds. I do that. I save it. I drop that Word document into Scrivener where it belongs. I delete the original because I've got two copies, actually. I've got the original version 
saved as a Word document that I spit out from Scrivener, and I've got the updated version spit out from um, Grammarly, and so I just replace it in the Scrivener document. I could archive those, save those in a folder, but what what difference does it make, really? <laughs> okay, so um, so there you go. And then I go along as I go along. I'm I'm editing and rewriting the book, and I, it has been much cleaner. I, I will admit. Now, once I'm done, I'll spit this whole thing. I keep saying the word spit, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, I will export. I will I will compose. I will. What is the, uh, uh, Scrivener has its word for it, and I never remember, compile. I will compile the manuscript <laughs> from Scrivener, and then I'll send it to my uh, street team, who will read it and send me corrections. So my goal is to use these tools to, uh, to create a document that is completely free of, of errors. Of course, right? Everyone wants to do that. Um. But uh, I think I'm, I'm much further along in this than I would have been uh, years ago, um, than I was years ago. Uh, so the editing is getting a lot easier, a lot better. <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's a quick tip. Uh, if you're not using Grammarly, check it out. There is a free version. You can basically do everything I'm doing in the free version. Um, but you get some advanced options um, and it's up to you whether or not you think they're worthwhile. I have, I'm actually using the plagiarism op- uh, um, option, the plagiarism feature, for something completely different than what it was intended for. <laughs> I'm using it for idea generation because I know I'm not plagiarizing um, any of this work. And when I, when I run the plagiarism tool, it spots all kinds of things. But it's always something completely unrelated. Uh, in no way am I plagiarizing someone else's work with this. But it, what it does is lead me to a bunch of new ideas that may come into books later. <laughs> I won't plagiarize those either. But um, it's a good idea generator. Running, if I, because, and, and it it typically is related to my work because the the phraseology I use, right? So. Um, you can generate more ideas using the plagiarism tool. I'll do, I'm going to do some content around this at some point, so stick around for that. Oh, by the way, if you are watching on YouTube, let me see if I can get into this shot here, uh, visible here. It's hard, but see, I'm wearing my Have I Mentioned I'm a Novelist t-shirt. Sorry about that. I bumped the, bumped the table and everything vibrated. But this is one of the shirts I offer on uh, my uh, Written World t-shirts. <laughs> which you can find on wordslingerpodcast.com. Um, I need to be more explicit about those things, but I have a whole bunch of fun t-shirts I've created, so you might want to check those out. Uh, anyway, we're about 12 minutes in, so I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and get into this interview with Mark O'Neill. Um, he's a thriller writer. You're, you're going to kind of dig this. He's a Scotsman living in Germany, which is intriguing all on its own. He writes thrillers that are set in Germany, um, which is an interesting market. One of the things that we talked about, though, one of the things I was interested in is that um, he he's pushing the idea of female protagonists, um, strong female protagonists. So uh, this is, uh, you know, and he's a male writer, of course, so it's going to be a little bit of from his point of view. But he liked the idea of breaking stereotypes and making a, a strong female thriller protagonist. And uh, I like the idea, too. So let's jump in this interview with Mark O'Neill and stick around on the other side of it you're definitely definitely gonna want to hear today's industry news so make sure you tune in for that I'll see you on the other side hey everybody thank you for tuning in uh, this is a this is gonna be an interesting episode uh, this our today's guest actually approached me on Twitter uh, with a suggestion for a topic uh, and you know me I'm a pretty uh, amicable guy I'll I'll, I'll uh, I'll take suggestions. This was a really good one, though, and I'm actually uh, excited about this topic. I'm talking to author Mark O'Neill. He's the author of The Renegade Spy. Uh, he is a uh, he's a thriller writer, just like me. Uh, former technology journalist. That's pretty cool, uh, Mark. Man, but welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Now I want to start right off because um, you have what we Americans call an accent. And uh, <laughs> I'd love for you to identify where you, where you are in the world right now. Um, I'm originally from Edinburgh in Scotland, uh, but I am now in Germany, in Würzburg. I'm married to a German. I have a German dog. I pay German taxes. And I've been here now for 
Ooh, 17 years. Okay. That's really interesting. Uh, Germany is a, not, the, not a place I would have thought you'd end up, honestly. I think my mother says that every day as well. Yeah. <laughs> she always asks me when I'm coming back. I have actually quite a few friends who uh, live and work in Germany, so I, I hear good things. Yeah. So you're, um, all right, so you are a, uh, you're a former technology journalist. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you transition from that to writing thrillers? Um, I was, uh, well, I've, I've been writing that kind of stuff since 2004. And last year, it just got to the point where I was just getting really burnt out talking about the latest internet tool and the latest thing that Facebook was up to. And I thought to myself, God, no, I can't write about any of this stuff anymore. Yeah. And I decided I was going to try and write fiction. I've always wanted to write fiction, but I just never had a story idea. And then last year, suddenly a story idea popped into my head and I thought, let's run with it. So um, it took me about a few months to finish the book. And I don't know if you know Mark Dawson. Do you know Mark I do. Dawson? I do. Yeah. 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 So I, I was in his groups as well. So I got some encouragement from him and, he, and his, uh, his members and his groups. And um, I just decided to take a chance and put my first book on Kindle and draft the digital. Yeah, draft the digital. Oh, okay. That was a free plug. I didn't, I, I didn't arrange that plug in advance. <laughs> so, uh, so you, okay. Uh, that's, that, that is a common origin story, I think for, uh, for a lot of authors. Um, that's, that's interesting. So how are you, how are you doing? Are you full-time at this now? I, I wish, uh, no, no, I, I'm still doing the technology articles to pay the bills. Um, but when I'm not doing that, I'm writing the books and I'm really hoping to try and get the, the income up. Uh, so that I can do the books full time, but um, yeah. things like marketing, promotion, you know, advertising, these things are not really my kind of area. Yeah. And so you know, I mean, you'll know yourself as an independent writer. If you don't, if you don't have those kind of skills, it's very difficult to get your books out there. So. Yeah. Um, that's something that I'm going to have to try and learn a bit better to try and get my. Well, that's the, that's the burden of every author, right? You, the marketing is really the challenge for most of us. Um, yeah, everybody thinks I'm, that writing the book is the hardest part, but right. that's actually the easiest part. Yeah, it's, yeah, especially if, if you have a writing afterwards. Right, yeah, and if you have a writing background like, like you do, uh, mm. the writing part, the discipline of the writing, I, I think mm. comes a little easier. You know, and it's interesting, by the way, that you're, you're keen on, you know, rounding off the the sort of journalism career and going into writing books full time. I mean, I know people who would kill just for the journalism career. So it's, it's always interesting to talk to authors because we all have, we all have our own special take on how we want things to work out. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of journalists these days that are jumping into fiction. I mean, I was right. just reading the other day about the CNN journalist, Jake Tapper, and he's, he's now jumping into fiction writing. And uh, you think that he is doing pretty well with his CNN career, but now he's a fiction author. So it seems yeah. to be the fashion these days for everybody to write a book. Yeah. Well, when, when uh, nonfiction is so utterly depressing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You turn to something a little more hopeful, right? Uh, you try to you try to write your own reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much of your journalism career, though, feeds into your fiction? Well, as I said, um, a, lo a lot of what I've been writing about in the last 15-odd years has been um, internet-related, software-related. Mm -hmm. um, so th th when it comes to writing thriller books, then there isn't really much of a crossover. I mean, I might, in some of the books, um, have a spy use uh, Signal, the encrypted app, or I might have them do something on a website or something. Right. So, you know, I might mention that, but um, I wouldn't say there's much crossover between what I was doing and what I'm doing now. Yeah. Okay. And, part of the, and that's part of the attraction because now I'm doing something different, totally different. And, and now I've, I don't feel like I'm getting up every day and doing the same old boring thing. Right. Yeah. You shift mental gears. Mm. So you're not doing the Stieg Larsson thing then where you're, <laughs> you're dumping, you know, a, a, an entire like uh, websites worth of, of technical uh, oh, spiel 
into uh, <laughs> which yeah. I I love all the millennial uh, it was millennium the millennium millennium yeah I love all of them uh, but yeah that's the one I don't have I don't personally have that as a criticism I actually get criticized for having too much uh, of that sort of thing in my own work I reference technology too much in my own work so <laughs> you're a thriller writer yourself. I am, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also have a tech technology background as well. I have an engineering background. Oh. So there's a tendency to want to throw a lot of that stuff in there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> as happens so often on this show, I, I, I'd stumble across yet another kindred spirit, uh, which is great. Now you have, uh, you've been writing books that uh, include female protagonists. Yes. Okay. And that's really kind of the topic that we wanted to to uh drag into the spotlight here because that's it's it's not it's not altogether rare you you there are female protagonists in thrillers uh typically those are written by women um but so it's it's a little more rare i guess that you know you have a female protagonist written by a, ma a, a male author uh but how do you handle writing a female protagonist well I'm a big fan of James Bond and, and Jason Bourne, uh, but one of the things that really bothers me about James Bond, for example, is that women are looked upon as, how can I put this, accessories for yeah. James Bond, you know, to hang on his arm and to tell him how handsome he is and go to bed with him and so on. And uh, I mean, I know a lot of women who are bothered by that kind of sexism and that kind of, you know, that's all we're good for basically mm -hmm. and when i was writing when i was going to write my book the protagonist was originally going to be a man right. and then i thought to myself well who needs another male spy <laughs> well, we've got so many male spies already out that there. story's been told yeah yeah exactly yeah. so i said i thought to myself why don't i make a, a woman because then that's that makes it unique and it's set in germany which again makes it unique mm -hmm. because who needs another CIA saves the world or MI6 right. saves the world? You know, let's right. have another country step in and do the hard work. Right. You guys have a day off and somebody else can do the hard work. Right, right, yeah. Um, yeah. So I decided to make it a female and I decided to make her a bit of a, a bitch. Excuse my language. <laughs> and, um, Family show, Mark. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. sorry. Okay, okay. A, spirit, a spirited woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you know, so she's a bit of a renegade, a bit of an outcast, and um, I thought it would she'd be quite fun to to write, you know, see what she could get up to because obviously the the intelligence communities are a man's world, isn't it? It's, yeah. I mean, there's machoism and much machoism in these these places. So I thought it would be good to put like a an outspoken feminist in the middle of all that, and then let her handle all the men. Yeah. And I've, actually, I've actually had women uh, email me and say that they really enjoyed it. They really enjoyed seeing the, the gender flip. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. I mean, we're in a very, um, and I've talked to other guests about this, actually, but we're, we're in a very girl power era, uh, or I should say woman power, I guess, you know? I mean, we're in a very feminist, strong feminism uh, era where mm. uh, we're actually finally getting to see women... Um, as you say, they're no longer accessories to the hero. They are the hero. Um, mm. And it's not that we've never seen that before. It's just that now we have an opportunity to explore this in a, a very different way in different levels. Uh, I'm kind of glad to see that, that happening. So w another interesting aspect of what you're talking about though, is the effect that you're writing this as these are German characters. Are you, you're, you're, you're still writing in English though, is that right? Yes, I am. I'm actually, I'm actually looking for a German translator, okay. but I mean, at the moment I'm writing them in English and I've actually got a, a Spanish translation on the way. I found somebody to do them in Spanish. So uh, the first one should be coming out in Spanish pretty soon. But yes, okay. even though they are set in Germany, they, they're, they are written in English. Okay. Um, so there, now I, I had heard, uh, maybe you can correct me on this or maybe you can help me figure out how this really works but i had heard that in germany one of the things you have to be careful of is the intellectual property uh if you have someone translate the work it could become at least in part their intellectual property is that the way that works in germany uh 
to be perfectly honest, I haven't looked into all of that yet because I haven't okay. found a translator yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do know somebody who is a lawyer, so you can be sure that I will be looking into all that. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because there's one reason. Come back on your show and talk about that later. There you go. That actually would not be a bad topic. I've actually had guests on the show. I have. I had a guest on the show who does translations. Uh, she, she owns a company called Azuguma, um, and uh, they do uh, localization and translation, meaning it's mm. you know that uses local idioms and things like that. But they, yeah. she, that was one of the things she mentioned. Uh, so I've always been wary of that. Like I, I'm careful about translations now because of that. So. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I mean, I mean, Joanna Penn would be a good person to ask because she's got all her books in German. Yeah, I can uh, ask Joanna. And Mark Dawson is also has all his books in German, so he would be another good person to ask about that because um, I know for a fact they, they've talked about contracts before in other countries. So right, right, right. So you're um, now. It's interesting. Is there is what's the German equivalent of say the CIA or or MI6 or whatever? Uh, what would that be? Uh, right. Well, the the Foreign Intelligence Service, which is what operates outside of Germany, is the BND, which means the Bundesnachrichtendienst, okay. which basically means the national the national Nachrichten is more sort of. Oh, I suppose, yeah, I suppose, I suppose National Intelligence Service would probably be yeah. the nearest translation. And then for, for internal security, it's the, B, the BFV, the Bundes, Bundesfassung, oh God, I'm, like, I'm forgetting all my German here. Um, <laughs> basically, it's a German for the protection of the German constitution. That's what it's called. Okay. But I mean, it's basically the same thing as the FBI and the CIA or MI5 and MI6. It's just just different uh, different names same place yeah 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 that's and seeing that's cool that's that's the kind of thing like uh, you know american readers are going to be innately familiar with fbi cia and and some who are maybe exposed to a little more world culture will will probably know what mi5 and mi6 are um they've heard of scotland yard they've heard of you know they've heard of things like that so it's to me it's interesting that you're able to bring in something from a completely different culture that's a interesting you've it's interesting that you've chosen to bring two different perspectives um from two different aspects of thrillers into these books <laughs> yeah and then you've got the then you've got the federal police as well yeah. so they could also be described as the fbi so you know there's no there's no sort of one size fits all here there's different agencies that could be described as the same thing so yeah. um for me it was a challenge to decide who who i was going to include and um you know there was quite a lot of research involved because the police also have their own armed units so mm -hmm. you know do I, do I bring in them so <laughs> and you know I, I don't really I don't really know anybody in these areas that I can ask and I can't really phone up the press office and say you know you know when, when do you deploy your armed units you know because then they'll be looking at me wondering if I'm totally off my head <laughs> I start most conversations with other people as I am a writer and I would like to know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they'll be thinking, you're a criminal, but you don't want to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's probably true. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the unique challenges of, uh, you know, writing these books in, in essentially, this is not your homeland. Uh, you're, you're not from there. You've spent, I'm, I forget how long you said you've 17 been. 17 years. 17 years. So a couple of decades there. So you, by now it is home. Very mm. familiar, uh, the way things work. I mean, this leads me to two questions, really. And the first is, what are some of the more technical challenges you have to face uh, with, you know, pub publishing and marketing your work um, outside of Germany? Technical challenges? Well, I mean, with the internet, there isn't really a technical okay. challenge with publishing outside of Germany. Um, I've actually got more of a challenge publishing inside Germany because nobody here seems to be interested. I mean, I would have thought that, that, that Germans would want to read something like this, but they don't. Um, it's, it's actually people in America and, and in Britain who are more right. um, into these books. And that's really surprised me because I thought that there'd be quite a few Germans that would be into this stuff, but 
no no interest whatsoever and that's, no, that's that's my experience as well uh germany is not a big market for thrillers it's it, it's interesting us well, and uk are are big thriller markets well i mean i mean germany's got their own ebook reader their own mm -hmm. ebook market it's called right. Toledo. yeah and um, I, I think draft to digital publishes yes. through Toledo. Yeah. so um you know they, they they do have a very a very big ebook market over here um amazon are not as strong here as they think they are um right. but i mean it's very hard to break into Tolino because you know obviously people always think of amazon they always think of apple you know the Tolino's only got about a, i think about a 30 percent share of the market here so mm. um but once you've actually once you've actually broken into Tolino somehow um then apparently that's then you start to make good money but uh, i really don't know how you how you how you would do it because tolino is not one company tolino is a, a, a mixture of different companies right um i think it's hugendubel uh book.de um in various other places various other bookshops book chains here right, right. They all come under the same banner yeah yeah uh yeah and we've we've looked at that. i remember that was one of the first things i did at draft digital when it started was to go through each of our different services and look see how they were constructed uh see what their target markets were and how they were built and tolino was one of the more complex ones uh, uh floating around out there so yeah so when it comes to uh, contacting them to market your books or you know to ask for help i mean there's no there's no central place to talk to. Right. Yeah. It's just a whole bunch of people crowding together under one name. What are you finding? Do you do you track at all? Like, what's selling the best in in Germany, as far as ebooks? And like, what genre or ebooks in general? Ebooks in general. This is probably outside the purview of your expertise, right. but I was just curious, and then we'll talk about your books again. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that here probably it's uh, somewhere like thrillers and and crime books and also romance i mean there seems to be quite a lot of romance books yeah. flying off the shelves here and that makes me annoyed because i can't write romance to save myself <laughs> but apparently the romance writers they're raking the money in and i'm thinking yeah. damn it <laughs> yeah that is that's a worldwide uh challenge actually <laughs> so yeah so um uh, how many books do you have out right now I have seven, and four of them are in print. So okay. they're not only in ebook, they're also in print. Um, but the other three that are not in print, they're just short stories, and mm -hmm. I'll probably bring them out as a box set eventually. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So okay, seven books, and uh, how are how how's everything doing? I mean, are you sales wise not so great? Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. I said, you know, you know, the the marketing has to has to improve. You know, and the, yeah. And now I have, to, I have to do better with the Facebook advertising. And so hopefully when I get the hang of these things, then the money will go up. Do you have a nice hook? You know, you've, you've got two aspects of this book that of these books that make them unique, um, in my opinion, fairly unique. Uh, so I think, I think it's just now it's just going to be finding the right channel for your marketing, you know, and how you're going to handle it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I as I said, you know, the whole, the whole idea of um, the female spy in the man's world, um, I don't think that's something that's ever been done seriously before, especially by a man. Yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody's listening to this. Well, I mean, there was Richard Castle on the television series Castle. He wrote a female protagonist. Well, did he? Yeah, but, yeah. But, Nikki yeah Heath, but, that, but that's not a thriller writer. He was a crime writer, mystery. Wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but you know, that kind of gets lumped <laughs> in the same category. He doesn't have a spy. I've got he a doesn't spy. have a spy. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a spy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to. Th I'd like to think that one day this is all going to make its way onto a TV series. Yeah, you that's could. my you know. Look, you never know, and and you're you're writing these at I think the right time. You know, the zeitgeist yeah, of the moment is... You're with the Me Too movement in America and, yeah. um, you know, the women, you know, the women power at the moment in, in Hollywood and so on. And, and you know, you've got, you've got Netflix shows like Jessica Jones, for example. I don't know if you've ever watched Jessica mm -hmm. Jones. Right. Um, 
I mean, I see her totally as the woman who could play my character because yeah. she she looks the same as the as, as the person in, on the cover, and yeah. she's got the same attitude and the same temperament. So I'm thinking to myself, how do I get in touch with this woman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kristen <laughs> Ritter. Yeah, yeah. Who? Yeah, very attractive. Um, and very. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about that at all. I am. I, I will freely <laughs> admit that. Call me what you must. Um, so, okay, what, what, what are some of the approaches you're taking to the marketing right now? Uh, with the marketing right now, I'm looking for podcasts to be on. So, okay. I'm on your podcast. Check. All right. <laughs> Check. <laughs> um, I'm trying various advertising platforms such as Facebook, Amazon, uh, BookBub. Yeah. Um, kind of a bit hit and miss at the moment, you know. I'm not quite sure if it's the keywords that are the problem or not, but um, quite a bit of mixed results there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always heard that the best marketing ploy is just to write the next book. And That is good advice. Yeah. yeah there are those who might ag- disagree with that, but I'm not one of them. I agree with that. <laughs> oh, when I get to seven books though, I think to myself, well, eventually I've got to slow down a bit and market the ones I've already got. So um but I thought that people always say, just write the next book. Don't worry about it. Just write the next one and it'll all yeah. come together eventually. I, I, I honestly believe that that's true. I, I believe that if you, if you continue to refine the work, build the work, build up the body of work, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you've got an income right now and it's even a writing based income. So that's, mm-hmm. that's better than a lot of authors get. Um, mm-hmm. I think you've got some serious advantages. You might consider doing, you know, starting to put some uh, shorts out in, on platforms like Wattpad or, well, possibly not Wattpad. That may I not thought, be. I thought right. about Wattpad. I've, op- I've opened an account on Wattpad, but to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure if, if I understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I put if I put stories out on Wattpad, um, does that does that make it easy for people to steal the work? If they're out to steal the work, they're going to find a way to steal the work. If, if they're most, I don't think that's a problem most authors really have to worry about. Um, I know that authors do get pirated. I've been pirated. Um, the way I see it is those people downloading my book for free, stealing it, whatever, weren't going to pay for it anyway. Mm. Uh, so I don't let that bother me. But yeah, you do a whole topic on that. And there are those who vehemently disagree with that philosophy. Um, I just happen to think that, you know, there's no, there's no real point in worrying about someone pirating your work. First of all, I mean, to put it bluntly, no one's heard of us, right? <laughs> if I were Stephen King or James Patterson or Dan Brown, I, I might have to worry a little bit more about it. But then also by that point, I've got movie deals and other things to salve that wound. So you're uh, such a morale crusher, you know that. <laughs> nobody, nobody knows us. Who cares? No, man. Look, there is power in anonymity. Okay, all you got to find is that your that thousand you know raving fans that uh, I think Neil Stevenson yeah. talks about, and uh, you can uh, you can you can make a pretty good living from this stuff. Um, I don't think that worrying about theft and piracy is something that we need to do. So. Yeah. There's there's a there's a platform called uh, that I saw the other day called Curious Fictions. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about that, and it's like the Patreon for authors. So you can put stories on, and then people can pay you every month to have access to them. Oh, very so cool. I don't know if you want to check that out. It's an invite only thing at the moment, but I mean she's quite quick in getting back to you with invites. Um, you just have to show that you're a real writer. So if you show your website or show what you've written. And then you can get uh, an account on Curious Fictions. There you go. Well, I'm thinking about using that. Yeah, I know. That sounds, I, I've heard a little bit about it, but I haven't really, you know, dipped into it at all. But yeah, that sounds so people, perfect. Yeah, so people can sort of uh, donate money every month and in return mm-hmm. they get to read your stuff. So, yeah, Dean Wesley Smith does something similar. I mean, he, he does his, what he calls Smith Month, Monthly, which is a mm-hmm. digest of short stories he publishes each month. Because uh, he, he writes like a short story every week, you know. Um, and then I know people, I think uh, Michael Bunker is one of these who publishes uh, work exclusive to Patreon. So you mm-hmm. can only get it if you're a Patreon supporter. Uh, right. So there's, you know, there are a lot of options like that. So I, you know, I think things like that might, might work well for you. Um, yeah. I think I would concentrate in your position, I'd concentrate less on trying to monetize and more on trying to get the 
get, you know, that base platform of readers up uh, with some, you know, start seeding out a little bit of like some free short stories and things like that to get them interested in your other books. Well, the, the, the short stories that are not in print yet, those were originally given out for free yeah. uh, to people. And so after a while, I started charging for the later ones, but the earlier ones, I'm still giving away for nothing. Right, you know, right. People who sign up for the mailing list, they get the, the Renegade Spy free and they get uh, two of the short stories free. So I'm still giving them away to people who want them. Yeah. Uh, I decided that, you know, even the short stories, they were like 10, 15,000 words. So I wanted to get something for them, even if it was just a dollar. Yeah, you know, just just have something to say, you know, that I'm making some money out of it. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'll go back to giving them away for free again. I I, I don't know yet. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. You, you, what you got to do is experiment, play around. You'll you'll yeah. find a pattern that works for you. Um, <laughs> so okay. Well, so you're um, now you are. Um, these are, are, you say these are set in Germany? Or are they set anywhere other than Germany? Do you, you no, just, no, they're only in Germany at the moment. In Germany. Yeah. Um, but people ask me if, they're pl- if I'm planning to take my spies out of Germany and put them somewhere in an exotic location or on the beach yeah. or something. And I don't know. <laughs> these, <laughs> these spies, they go after um, people who are attacking Germany. So it makes it difficult for me to take them out of Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. At the moment, they're set in Berlin, and I'm I'm putting them in other places in Germany. So I might I might start experimenting by putting them in Austria next and Switzerland, and then I'll see how it goes. See what the reader reaction is like. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Are you, how are you uh, researching your books? Uh, with the internet, which okay. is which has its pitfalls. I know that because you right, know. Right. You rely if you rely on too much on Wikipedia, for example, you could end up getting it totally wrong. True. Uh, yeah. Um, Google Earth is also a great place because obviously, if you need to be standing in a street and you're not there, well, then it's that's a great resource. Right. For right yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, just just using using the internet is more than enough these days. I mean, I'm planning on going on a trip probably up north to Berlin at some point this year, um, just to you know, check a few things out to make sure that I got them right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, most of the time, I don't even have to leave my office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I, James Patterson was saying he does the same thing, man. He, uh, if he needs to set something in, in Paris and he hasn't, you know, he's been to Paris, but if he doesn't quite remember, or if he, he's, you know, talking about it in an aspect of Paris, he's never really seen personally, he goes online and goes on Google earth and yeah. walks the streets. Yeah, well, as I said, you know, things like Wikipedia are a bit risky, but I mean, other other places, yeah, you know, other places are not bad to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Now, I also find it kind of interesting that you didn't set any, you're not setting anything, you know, back home, you know, uh, in your home country. Why, why, what made you decide to do that? Well, uh, when it comes to MI5 and MI6, for example, that's right, been right. done so many times already. That's true. You know, yeah. Mark Dawson's done it. Everybody's done it, you know, and so there's no niche, you know, there's yeah. no, there's nothing there for me to say, well, I'm doing it differently. And as for Scotland, there's no Scottish equivalent because they're not, they're, they're technically not their own country. Right. So they, they fall under MI5 and MI6 as well. So, I just decided that there was not enough books set in Germany yeah. using German intelligence, and this was going to be my niche and my my way of standing out from the rest of the crowd. Yeah, I like it, man. I, I think I think you've you've chosen something unique uh, in a couple of different ways. I think it's I think it's smart. I'll be curious to see how it all shapes up for you over the next couple of years. Have you actually read it? No, I haven't. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I will. Uh, well, you just reached out to me last week, man. <laughs> I'll, you I'll, send, I'll send you a free copy. All right. Well, that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. All right. Um, so I think we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up. I think we're kind of at the end. Um, where Now, you got a promotion coming up. Uh, now, this may not air in time uh, for, for a promotion, but maybe we can sense people that way either way. What, what do you got coming up end of April? Right, well, end of April, I'm putting the first four print books together as a box set. Okay. So if you go to any of the ebook platforms, look under my name, Mark O'Neill, 
uh, or uh, the, the name of the fictional spy department is Department 89. So if you look up Department 89, you'll get the books up the same way. And at the end of April, I'll be putting the first four books up as a box set, and they'll be cheaper than if you were to buy them individually. Excellent. All right. And where can people find your work in general online? Well, you can go to my website at markoneil.org. That's markoneil as in M-A-R-K-O-N-E-I-L-L. Because okay. people always tell my name wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they leave off that L. And the second yeah, they leave L. off the extra L, that's right. Yeah. Um, or as I said, you know, you can look on Amazon or you can look on iBooks, Kobo, Nook. I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. Everywhere. Thanks to Draft um, Digital, we've learned. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to you guys, I'm everywhere. All right. Okay. Well, um, that's, that's perfect then. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Uh, if you're listening, of course, you, you want to check out, you're going to find links to uh, all Mark's um, website, his Twitter handle, everything you need to find Mark online on the uh, show notes of this episode. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, it's in the uh, show notes down below this episode. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for being on, man. I'm glad you reached out to me. Well, thank you very much for having me on. You got it. All right, everybody. By now, you must be hearing the groovy theme music. Uh, you may dance in place at will. We'll see you on the other side with uh, industry news and other goodies. So see you there, and, ne- and otherwise I'll see you next time. Hear your book the way it was meant to be heard. With a fully custom soundtrack based on your material. An album of music that perfectly fits your characters, your settings. Hear your book today. Sonatainscribe.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mark O'Neill. Um, I hope you got some some useful information out of that, um, some inspiration. That's that's where I think uh, this one hits home for me. Uh, it was some inspiration to, to rethink uh, some of the things that I do in my fiction uh, regarding uh, you know the protagonist, regarding setting, that sort of thing. So, hope you like that. Um, and be sure to check out Mark O'Neill's work. Go over to wordslingerpodcast.com or, uh, and find the uh, show notes for this episode or uh, look down below in YouTube and you'll find links to everything we talked about, including uh, Mark's Facebook page, his website, uh, you know, his Amazon author page, that sort of thing. So check that out. Now, we are, uh, let's, um, let's do something radical here and let's jump right into the industry news. So, <clears throat> the first story, <clears throat> sorry for clearing my throat in your ear, um, the first story, Walmart and Microsoft team up to fight Amazon. Uh, this, is, this is an interesting story because of the, the nature of these organizations. Uh, Walmart, of course, was the Amazon of its day, <laughs> but Amazon has taken over the landscape, um, the retail landscape, and uh, this is more about Walmart teaming up with uh, this other massive giant, uh, the online giant, Microsoft. So it's a little bit like two dinosaurs um, combining their their strengths and resources to fight the uh, the genetically mutated dinosaur that's come on the scene. <laughs> Man, there's a book here. I'm telling you. Okay, so. Uh, Microsoft, uh, Walmart and Microsoft joining forces in the fight against Amazon. Under a five-year deal announced Tuesday, Walmart will boost its use of Microsoft's uh, cloud services and work with the tech firm on artificial intelligence and machine learning projects. Um, now, this is this is all aimed at competing with Amazon's uh, cloud computing services. Amazon and Microsoft, of course, have been competitors for a while on that space. Uh, Amazon and Walmart have been competitors in the retail space, so this really kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, those Amazon's uh, cloud services, according to this article, racked up over five billion dollars in sales. That's with a B in the first quarter. So, uh, congrats on you, man. So uh, this is a this is pretty significant. What, what we're looking at is Walmart is going to pair up with Microsoft to beef up its cloud services and its web presence around uh, walmart.com, samsclub.com. Uh, they're moving everything over to Azure, with, which is one of um, Microsoft's cloud-based architectures. And this is going to, uh, the idea is to become a stronger rival for Walmart. Where this impacts the uh, the indie author industry, um, 
I mean, Walmart had recently gotten into a deal with Kobo for um, Kobo or Rakuten is actually providing the ebooks that are going to be sold on the Walmart.com website and in stores. Ebooks sold in Walmart stores, so you can actually go to a Walmart, pick up a, uh, a display card, check that out at uh, take that to the checkout, and purchase an ebook through Walmart. So. Th- that combined with this deal with uh, Microsoft could open up vast avenues of opportunity for uh, indie authors. Um, so this is a space we want to keep our eyes on. Amazon, of course, has ruled in this territory for quite some time. They they uh, they they can they basically control everything <laughs> at this point. It's very hard to do this to, to work in this industry and not do business with Amazon. So. Um, I welcome competition like this. Competition like this means that we have uh, more leverage. Amazon has a real history of not listening to the indie authors, not paying any attention to uh, what we are concerned about, what we what our needs are, and uh, this is an, this is a great opportunity for us to potentially be heard uh, and see some changes, some positive changes. This could also all go south, but I, I tend to be a little more optimistic about these sorts of things. Competition is good in this kind of marketplace. So let's see what happens. Uh, follow this story. You can you can actually hop on over to, um, to wordslingerpodcast.com and find a link to this. But if you go to bit.ly slash 156-Walmart, that will take you right to the story. You can find this in the uh, show notes of YouTube as well. Next up, Bad Romance. Uh, This is a story on The Verge, which is the full title (laughs) is uh, how a cabal of romance authors. Well, they didn't put this title on the page, but uh, it was something along the lines of how a cabal of romance authors. uh, Let me see if I could find that. I want to read that off to you. How a cabal of romance writers cashed in on Amazon's Kindle Unlimited. Uh, now, the, that title is a little misleading, I think, and some there are some components of this article that um, do not quite fit with reality. <laughs> we uh, Indie authors are more or less portrayed in this article as hacks who are gaming the system, uh, leveraging uh, marketing tricks and tips and techniques, uh, some of which are unscrupulous, to uh, manipulate the Kindle Unlimited system, but it does do a very fair job of covering a lot of what's been happening lately. In in particular, you'll know this term, Cockygate. So that has been resolved, but this does open by talking about that court case. And um, it also goes into a lot of other like trademark trolling stuff uh, and mentions a few things like things that actually aren't against the law or against Amazon's policies, but are still considered a little iffy um, in the industry itself, things like, uh, they mentioned one author, self-published author who offered his readers a chance to win diamonds from Tiffany's if they reviewed his new book. Um, I think on close review that, that depending on how that was implemented, that is actually not against Amazon's terms and it's not against the law. Um, depending on how it was implemented, I know I'm going to get pushback on this, but the, the truth is, <laughs> Amazon doesn't doesn't restrict you from offering some sort of bounty um, when it comes to getting reviews. You just can't pay for reviews. You can't say, I will give you a Tiffany Diamond if you review the book. It's a chance to win, and I would assume this person was smart enough to say, you must purchase the book, you know, and, uh, and, and putting some language in there that you're looking for legitimate reviews doesn't hurt either. So, anyway. That's an interesting story I just wanted to throw in there. If you would like to learn more, of course, you can find this in the show notes of the episode. Or you can go to bit.ly slash 156-badromance. I highly recommend this reading this article. It's a, it's a great look at what's happening. Um, and it's a great tie-in <clears throat> to our, our final story of the week. And this one, folks, uh, this one's got my ire up. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> So this isn't actually a news story from a site so much as it is a, um, it's a, I'm linking to the, uh, the U S patent trade office website on a, on a potential trademark nightmare. Uh, someone has filed an application and it's awaiting examination right now, but they filed an application that essentially trademarks 
basic layout for novel covers. Um, the trademark, it, it features an image of a, uh, a silhouette figure, an outline figure holding an axe uh, with a title slash series at the top and author name at the bottom. A basic layout. That's, that is essentially what, what every cover looks like. Uh, let me read to you the description of the mark. <clears throat> the mark consists of a title and or series name at the top of the trade dress, one or more human or partially human figures underneath, at least one of the figures holding a weapon, and an author's name underneath the figures, wherein the title slash series and author's name are depicted in the same or similar coloring. The dotted lines represent the product and are used to show the location of the trade dress on the product and do not constitute the trade dress. Um, the dotted lines are referring to is they've, they've outlined the book and the character on the cover in dashed lines um, to just to show that the shape of the book and uh, to show where the title series and author name would be located. <sighs> Design search codes include men depicted as shadows or silhouettes of men, silhouettes of men, hatchets, axes, and tomahawks. Um, this is ridiculous. I mean, I'm just going to say it. This pisses me off. This is the kind of trademark trolling that I want to see people just staked to a wall over. Um, I have a I have a suspicion as to who this is. I won't name him uh, in this. He he's recently had some troubles. He was named uh, trying to. He was he, he was named in uh, another instance where he was trying to trademark common usage terms that would essentially allow him to sue people who who write in his genre. Um, he, I thought this was a good guy, by the way. This is another reason why this pisses me off. And I don't know what game he's playing, but it's, it, it, is, it is legitimately pissing me off. He recently um, announced and asked for help over the fact that he was blocked at Amazon. Uh, all of his books have been pulled from Amazon. And I'm not going to say he's guilty of anything. That may be complete coincidence, um, but typically you can count on there being some kind of shenanigans or manipulation going on if you get blocked at Amazon. I know it happens to innocent people. I do. I do. Uh, but I, what's really got my, my ire up over this is uh, it's a little too much of a coincidence that that happens and at the same time these, these trademark uh, reaches are happening. I'm just furious about this. This is a, this is a big deal. So um, go check out this patent. I don't I don't or this uh, trademark. I don't have a news story about this yet, uh, but I will say that I've I've uh, reached out to some folks I know in the investigative journalist world uh, to see if maybe I can nudge an exploration of this. And if this is not the person that I think it is, well, I don't owe him any apologies because uh, I haven't named him. Um, and I haven't talked to him. I've thought about reaching out to him, but I'm, I'm so furious about it that I'm afraid I'll, I'll say the wrong thing. So um, better to not make assumptions, give the benefit of the doubt. I'll just decide that uh, I suspect it's him, but I'll just decide that until I know for sure, uh, I won't be mad at the guy. But this is the kind of thing, folks, that um, we got to stop this. I mean... Chances are, if you're listening to the show, you're not one of the people who's doing this kind of thing. Uh, so let's just look at this as uh, some object lessons we can learn in advance. But uh, I, I'm I'm just so I'm so fed up with people trying to not just game the system, but essentially screw everybody else who is trying to make their living in this industry. All right. I'm going to move on from this story. So that's that's been our our news for the week, and I'm glad that you uh, stuck around for that. Go check that story out at 156 dash it's bitly uh, bitly slash 156 dash trademark, uh, and that rounds up our our industry news. <clears throat> I got to move on from that. I'm I'm furious. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that has been the Wordslinger podcast this week. I. I hope you got something really, truly useful out of that. Um, things that are coming up, I've got 
conferences coming up uh, for basically the rest of the year. I'm going to be at Indie Book Fest in uh, September. Uh, and then in August, I'll be, uh, I think, late September, early August. Uh, or maybe it's late August. I get them all mixed up. I'm going to be at the Oklahoma City uh, Writers, Writers Meetup or Writers Red Sneaker Conference. Sorry, man. There, there's too many. Uh, and I'll be at Nink at the end of uh, at the end of uh, August, um, and then come November, I'll be at Twenty Books Vegas. So, uh, and I've got some others in there as well. So, um, I'll try to keep you updated on those. But if you're going to be at any of those conferences, I'd love to connect with you and chat. Uh, ho- I hope to see you there. Uh, other than that. Man, it's a busy time right now. This is this is the conference season is just very busy. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I hope you're having a fantastic week. I hope you have a, an amazing weekend. Be safe out there. Uh, God bless each and every one of you. I'll see you all next time. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Wordslinger Podcast. Now, you can support this show by visiting wordslingerpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find back episodes, books by me, and links to anything and everything Wordslinger. And be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. I'm Kevin Tomlinson. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Wordslinger.